Um, with so many, with so many individuals in our scope and our sphere of influence these days, it's easy for us uh, to take a, an inward look at ourselves, and sometimes we feel. Uh, one of the challenges with social media is that we, we end up feeling less than or we feel like we don't measure up or add up. And sometimes it's just good for us to remind ourselves who exactly we are, who exactly we are. And, and, and I think that one of the lapses in the work of God that happens is because people don't step into the full calling that God has intended for them yet. We're not saying people don't step into it, but there's a hesitance there's a, uh, just kind of a slow pace because they're not confident about the, the walk that they're involved in. But, but if we know who we are, if we have confidence in who God has called us to be, I'm sure that we would walk with more surety. I'm certain that we would have a spring in our step and a focused gait. You know, the Bible tells us that sometimes Jesus walked straightly. He was, he was intentional about where he was going. He was, he was very focused. He was directed. And, and I believe that the church in this day can have that kind of walk with God. So I want to talk to us for a few minutes about identifying ourselves. And our identity is more than what's in our wallet. Our identity is more than the cards that we carry in our purse. It's not where we live or what we have. That's not our identity. Our identity is who God intends for us to be in him. And the first thing that I think that we need to take a moment and, and just examine and acknowledge is that God knows who we are. As a matter of fact, before we were even born, Jeremiah 1 verses 4 to 5 says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, God reminded Jeremiah, he said, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. Now, I'm not saying that every person under the sound of my voice is a prophet. I'm not saying that everybody that we're speaking to tonight is going to have that kind of prophetic ministry that Jeremiah did. But I want everybody to know that before you were even born, God knew that you were on your way. God knew that you were going to be in the here and now. God knew that in May of 2020, we would be gathered together under the sound of my voice, listening to this message and, and taking part in this service tonight. God knew it. God knew all about you, and he knows what you are. He knows who you are. And, and, and I just want that to, to resonate in our spirit and be reminded. Many of us already know that, but I want us to know that God knows who we are. God knows all of our insufficiencies. God knows all of our insecurities. God knows all of our abilities. God knows all of our talents and giftings. Many of them, for some folks, are still hidden. They're still kind of lying somewhere beneath the surface. I, I'm still marveling at the, the, the amount that we believe that we know people, yet sometimes in seasons like this, all of a sudden, we, get, we have the opportunity to, to hear some people sing a song or some people to play an instrument that we had no idea they could even play. It was just kind of hidden under the surface, hiding amongst the stuff. Now all of a sudden we say, well, I had no idea that they could do that or these giftings and these talents that are just resident but not released to the church family, released to the church body, released to the world around us. But God knew all along who you are and what you're capable of. And I just want to remind us tonight that, that there's, a, there's a level that God is calling us to. And there is a walk that God is calling us into. And, and we have the right and the opportunity to become what God is calling us to be. But we have to understand who we are. Many of us feel like we know ourselves pretty well. 
But the Bible would tell us different. We don't really know ourselves all that well. We, we like to think we would make these decisions in this moment, or we'd like to think that this is what we would do, or this is who we are. But, but really, our identity is so deeply rooted in what God has, has determined for us to be that, that in order for us to understand who we are, we have got to go into the Word of God. You're not going to find the answer anywhere else. You're not going to find it through any other means. But uh, as you begin to look into the Scripture and you begin to realize who we are, and, and there's a a, a framework for who each of us are as a basis. And when we anchor ourselves to the truth in God's word of who we are, then in those moments, we can release the, our personality. We can release our ability because we are anchored to who God declares that we are. And so if we know who God says that we are, if we know that person that God said, I, I knew you when you were, even before you were formed in the belly, uh, when we begin to understand who God knows that we are, what God knows that we are, then we, be, we can become who we know that we are. And when we know who we are in Christ, a great opportunity is waiting there for us. And, and if you go through the New Testament, you'll find over and over again that there are pictures that God paints for us. There's identities. There's uh, opportunities. There's different word pictures that God declares that we are. And one that I want to talk a little bit about tonight, and we're going to do this over the next few weeks, I want to talk to us about a pilgrim citizen. I, I, I know who I am in, 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 uh, in terms of identity as far as my nationality. If anybody said, well, what's your nationality? I'd say I'm a Canadian. I was born in Canada. I was born in St. John, New Brunswick, October the 11th, 1971. For all of you that were wondering if I really knew how old I was, I know where I was born. I know when I was born. Uh, I, you know, but my identity goes deeper than that because... I'm not just a citizen of Canada. I am a citizen of heaven. As a matter of fact, I am a pilgrim citizen. I'm a pilgrim citizen that God has called. I'm a pilgrim citizen that, that Christ has called. And, and that's the first point that I'd like us to examine tonight, that I am a pilgrim citizen and I have been called out. I have been called out. The English word for ecclesia or ecclesiastical comes from the Greek word ecclesia. And we all know it, it means a uh, called out one, or, or I like this, a called out assembly. Ecclesia wasn't actually a word that was just uniquely used by the New Testament church or Paul in his writings. It wasn't just uniquely used by them, but it was a term that was used by Rome. Roman citizens used this term because they understood themselves as individuals and they would, you know, they would declare that, that an assembly was a called out assembly. But then uh, the New Testament adopts that word and it becomes a part of the vernacular of that day. It's a, little, it's a little different for us, the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones. But in the New Testament, that word is used some 114 times. It's usually translated into the word church. It's usually called the word church when translated. But it also refers to that called out group of assemblies, that, those people that were called out. And, and the very first thing that we have to realize is that we have been called out. We've been called out of the world. We've been separated. We've been uniquely identified as individuals that Christ has brought into his church. We are a called out group of people. We are called out. And that privilege that we have of being called out is a powerful privilege. It's a powerful opportunity God's intention was that we would not stay in the world, that we wouldn't be a part of that world, but that we would become the individuals that God called us to be. He called us by grace to become 
people of God to become a part of this church, these individuals that could turn around and look at their past and realize that God had turned their lives completely around, that God had taken them out of sin and brought them into righteousness, that God had taken them out of darkness and brought them into light. That opportunity came because God called us. There was a call that came. As a matter of fact, Mark said, Jesus said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And many of us can identify with that because we have heard that call of Christ when we lived in sin, called us from that place. We, we didn't have the ability to walk out on our own. We didn't have the strength to pick ourselves up by ourselves. But because we heard the call, because we heard a voice that said, Jack, you got to get up and you got to get out of that place that you're in. That because we heard that call, strength came with the call as a matter of fact if God commanded you to come then you have the opportunity to go to him there's always power resident in the command to fulfill the command and so when the call comes for us to come to Christ we have the opportunity to become a brand new creature in him but he came to call the sinners to repentance as a matter of fact, this week already I've had two conversations, two unique conversations today with individuals about how God was calling them, how God was turning their lives around. They're not there yet. They're not there yet, but God is bringing them out. They're on their way out. Why? Not because of their ability. If you talk to them, they, they would say, they're at the bottom. If you talk to them, they would say, I just kind of came to the end of myself. I, I didn't know where to turn. I, if you talk to them, they said, I got no, nowhere else to, to go. I got nothing else left. I, I can't rely on myself anymore. I've got I, I've got this need of some greater power. And I want to remind someone that today, that opportunity is ours. We can be called out. I want to declare it to someone that may be listening tonight. You have the authority and the power to walk out of sin into righteousness. Why? Simply because he's calling. He came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That's still his mandate. That's still his focus. That's still Christ's intention today. He's calling sinners in this crazy season that we're in. The call is still being issued. He's not on, he's not on lockdown, active. He's at work right now. He's moving. He's shaking things up. He's reaching into hearts, and his voice is louder than it's ever been before. Come on. It's time to come home. How does God go about calling lost sinners? Paul describes the approach that God takes. Get ready. It's got something to do with the gospel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to 14. He said, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel. Someone say, he called me. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The obtaining of glory is ours. That opportunity is there. We can obtain glory. That we can, we can attain to that. That we can reach for that. That we can become that. We can, we can become the glory to the glory of obtaining the glory of God. Why? Because of the power of the gospel. That death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Activated in your life by repentance, baptism, and spirit infilling changes your life. That calling comes, not just to a select few, but to the whosoever will. The call comes today. 
Why does it come? Because we are a pilgrim citizen. And when you realize, when you realize that we're on a journey, that this world is not our home, when we realize that this isn't, this isn't our end-all, be-all, that there is something more beyond, then all of a sudden we, we realize we're just on a journey. We're just on our way through. We're just, we're just, we're just passing through this world. And, and I've never been more uneasy. I don't want to call this world home. I don't want to have attachments that tie me down to this world. There isn't anything here that I want. Our, our focus and our gaze has suddenly become more directed on glory. It's suddenly become, become more directed on this heavenly home that we have waiting for us. This world is not our home. We are just pilgrims. We've been called out. Jesus said they're not of the world even as I am not of the world. What does that mean? What does he mean by the world? What is this phrase? It's not the material world or the people of the world. He, he said that I, they are not of the world even as I am not of the world. This isn't, this isn't our home. This isn't where we're intended to live the rest of our days. This isn't the end. Eternity is waiting for us. That is the world that he has for us. But while we're here, don't check out on me because you already know the end of the story called heaven. But while we're here, God intends for us to be this ecclesia, this church that he has called out. And that involves not being of the world, but being doing the work in the world that he is calling us to do. In our daily conversations, we'll often use the term world to mean an invisible system that exerts, influ exerts influence. Uh, you know, we, we speak about the world of sports or the world of finance or the world of politics. Heaven help us. We don't... We could spend a lot of time right there. But the, in the Bible sense, the Bible warns Christians about the world or the phrase that it uses to describe this invisible and influential system that is opposed to God. Our old citizenship was in the world. That's where we did live. Ephesians 2 and verse 1 says, And you hath ye quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the power, the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversations in time past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. That was what we were. But our new citizenship is in heaven. Now, that was what we were. And somebody's saying amen. Somebody's remembering what God brought you out of. But now, our citizenship is in heaven. I'm not just a member of the Canadian nationality. I, I have a citizenship in heaven, and I am on my way. I am a pilgrim citizen of heaven. Of heaven. Citizenship is a powerful thing. It identifies who we are. But God intends for us to walk out of darkness into marvelous light. First uh, Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath what? Called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Again, we have been called that call continues to come. We are the ecclesia. We are the called out assembly. First Peter chapter five and verse ten goes on. He said, "But the grace of all, but the God of all grace, who hath called us into His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, 
make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. But he hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ. That opportunity that we have is because of the call that came. I'm so grateful for the day that the call came. The call came clear. The call came direct. But it was a call. It was a call to come out. And our lives, our family has never been the same since that call came into our lives. It's, it's impossible for you to stay the same when, when you hear that call and you come to the side of Christ because he has a purpose and a plan for your life. Your position determines your conduct. And, and when you realize this world's not my home, all of a sudden everything that you do takes on a different tone. Everything that you do takes on a different focus. Everything that you do becomes, uh, how does this weigh out in, in the mind and the, and the picture of eternity? Everything that we do takes on a brand new tone. You see, all of us live in a tent. We all live in this frail human body, temporary it's just temporary. And, and if you look back to Abraham, who is the father of the faith, it says that wherever Abraham went, he pitched his tent and he built an altar. Those two things. And Abraham was wealthy. It wasn't because he didn't have money. He could have built a big old house. He could have he kind of put a foundation deep and, and, and just prepared to stay where in, in the Ur of the Chaldees. He could have stayed there with his family and all of his influence. But the Bible tells us that, that he got his tent. He dusted the old tent off and, and he went. Why? Because he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He, he had a different focus. He had a different intention. And all of us have got to realize that, that this world that we live in, we're going through it in our tent. This, this old earthly tent that scripture says that we've got. This earthly tent of flesh that we carry around with us every single day. But this isn't what God intends for us to set up shop in permanently. We've got a heavenly home that we are going to. This frail human body is going to leave us and we are going to step into gates through gates of glory into our eternal home someday. Why? Because this world is not our home. We're just pilgrim citizens. We're citizens of heaven and we're pilgrims passing through this world below. So while we're living in this world, we've got to be careful not to start living like this world or for this world. We've got to beware of loving what the world loves and doing what the world does. The, the friendship, the Bible tells us, friendship of the world is enmity with God. You can't have both. And so you've got to clearly draw a line and say, I'm in this world to influence this world. I'm in this world to invite them to this heavenly home that I'm a part of because this world is not our home. Don't be entangled with the world. Don't be trapped. Don't get, don't get caught up in the world because this world is not our home. I'm wondering if anybody would just identify that you've been called out tonight. Would someone just take a moment and realize that God has called you? His call has been on your life. God knew you before you were even born, and he knew that his call was going to be resting on you. Why don't we just take a moment and ask the Lord to help us recognize who we are. God, I thank you tonight. I thank you. Even though we're displaced throughout our city right now, we're displaced throughout the world right now, you have this church that you have called and God, in the midst of this season, I ask that you would allow a certainty rest in every life, let a certainty rest in every heart, so they can become who you're calling them to be right now. God, call us into this purpose. Call us, God, to this job that you've asked us to do in this end time. 
Let us be that church that you have called out tonight. Not only has God called us out, but God has called us together. We can't get the idea that as strangers and pilgrims, we are alone in this present evil world. Because we're not only called out, but we are also called together. And that's been one of the difficult parts of this season that we're walking through right now. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful that the rules are, are here locally. The rules are adjusting and, and they're accommodating. They're becoming more accommodating. And, and we're starting to see some transition and change. And, and I'm thankful that the work, the hard work that everybody has done with social distancing and, and uh, responding to their call to, to flatten the curve. I'm grateful for all of that. But I, I am so looking forward to us assembling together because not only have we been called out of the world, but we have been called together. The work that we do is done so much more efficiently and purposefully when we work at this together. I, I, we were a little, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about the job that we have to do together and, and that I didn't give a lot of people a lot of notice uh, last evening to come and help us, but that so many people showed up, but just give me one moment, I'm gonna sneeze into my elbow. No, I'm not. False alarm. But we were, <clears throat> we were looking at this large, we were this large lot here having to pick rocks and rake out some ruts. And, and, and to do that alone is a, is a great task. It's a, it's a huge property. It's a couple hundred feet long, 300 feet long, and 150 feet wide or a couple hundred feet wide. And, and that huge lawn that we were looking at having to clean up is, is a big task for one or two staff members. And, and so it just kind of put the word out. And when we put the word out and eight or nine of you responded last evening, that, that job became so much simpler because we all worked together. And that's just a simple illustration. Just Joining together, accomplishing a task together is so much easier. And, and we worked our way through that entire area that had been finished and graded and got rid of the rocks and raked out the ruts so much quicker. And I added up, began to add up the, the number of hours. And, and it was somewhere around 20-some man hours that we, we had accomplished in just a little bit of time that we had together because we all joined force. We all joined our efforts together. And, and that God, God knows what he's doing. God doesn't just call us out of the world, but God calls calls us together. God calls us together in this walk with him because he knows that, that gathered together we can accomplish great things. And, and the scripture tells us in Acts chapter 2 and verse 44, it says that this together thing isn't unique to this day. It said, and all that believed were what? Together and had all things common. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 44. Hebrews 10 and verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It's one of God's commands that we can't forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching together. When we do this together, when we accomplish this work together, there's a reason God said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Now, I know we're doing it for medical reasons and we're doing it for the safety of individuals, but, but the moment that we have the opportunity to be back together. We all need to focus. We all need to get geared up. We all need to get ready. We don't need to have this long lapse in trying to get active and engaged again. We just kind of got to be ready, waiting. Somebody just sit this, waiting for the starter pistol to fire. Somebody waiting at the, at the start line to, to run this race together. We want to do this together. We miss all you guys. We miss our church. We miss this 
building being filled with people. We miss that. And we should. Because part of our identity, part of, part of our focus is this assembling of ourselves together. And I'm so looking forward to Sunday being together in the parking lot. I, I want that. I need that. I, I, we need to be together. So not only are we called out, but we are called together. We need to, to heed the admonition that, you know, we, 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 we don't need to be fighting one another. We need to be fighting for one another. In Genesis 45, it speaks about um, Jacob. When Jacob spoke to his sons when they started their journey to Egypt, he said, don't quarrel on the way. We, we don't need anybody fighting along the way. We need people working together. When Paul reminded the, the Philippians that their citizenship was in heaven, he used the Greek word that gives us the same word for politics, heaven help us. You'll find the same word in Philippians 1 and verse 27. But if you'll, if you'll look at that word, it's significant because of the city of Philippi, it was actually a Roman colony. And in order to help protect the empire, the Romans settled some of their loyal citizens, often army veterans in different cities, and then governed those cities the way that Rome was governed. So those, those peripheral cities that weren't, in the city of, uh, that weren't directly in the cities of Rome could become like Rome because of people that were planted in the city, and they would know, ah, this is how we go about this, and this is the way that it's done in Rome. This is the way that the city of Rome is governed, so Philippi was going to be governed the same way. That same focus was given and the Roman colonies were organized and controlled by Roman law and the citizens of the colony had the same privileges as those that lived in different Italian soil. It was a high honor for a city to be named a colony and the residents did all that they could to do to bring the glory to the, the name of Rome because they were colonies. They were colonies of Rome. Just little dots throughout. Well, that's exactly what every church is. Every little church is a colony of heaven. We're individuals that have been called out. But not only that, we have been called together. Somebody say, together. Together. Christians are citizens of heaven because we've been born again. We've been washed in the blood. We've been separated. But God just didn't do all that work so we could sit home and wait for the rapture. God did all that work so that we could become this body of believers working together. That Roman citizenship, citizenship was something to be proud of. It carried privileges. It was, uh, if you were a Roman citizen, you could hold public office. You could participate in assemblies. You could inherit property. Um, you were protected by the law. You had the privilege of appealing to the emperor himself. All of those things. But there was a, it was a picture of, of what we have now in Christ. Because if we are citizens of heaven, then we have that citizenship privilege of heaven. We are his children. We are called out. We are separated. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to them who shall be heirs of salvation? Why? Because we have an army working at our disposal. I, I can't tell you in the last few services that I've been in, in here in the building that I have sensed angelic presence. I've sensed the presence of angels here amongst us, and, and I've been so cognizant of it. I, I, I can't say that that's always the way that it's been, but for the last three services, when I've stepped into this building, I've realized we are not here alone. We, are, we aren't going about this all by ourselves. We have this heavenly host that's at 
work engaged. They aren't, they aren't on vacation. They're not, they're not separated. They're not, they're not just kind of taking a break right now with everybody else. They're engaged. They're probably more active than they've ever been before. And they are working on our behalf. Why? Because we are citizens of that heavenly country. That's what we have. And if Rome had its soldiers working for its people, then you can be sure that heaven has its soldiers working for this church today. And our prayer has been, and, and we've been encouraging our folks, come on, let's, let's pray about this getting turned around. Let's, let's pray for, for God to do a work. Let's pray that, that, that this miracle happens and we, we can get back to, together and back to having church. And that's not the end all be all. I'm not trying to get so focused on, on the building because the church's work happens beyond these walls. But there is something about commissioning that's happening from this building. I'm grateful for the internet. I'm thankful for this opportunity to greet you all, but... But I'm looking forward to the opportunity for us to exercise that right that we have to be called together. And again, I'll qualify. I'm not, I'm not speaking anarchy. I'm not trying to push an agenda against a political party or political, for any political reason. I, I'm just saying that we're the church. We've been called out. But not only that, we have been called together. And until we have that, there is something missing amongst us. I am... We are, you are, a pilgrim citizen. We're a pilgrim citizen. So not only have, have we been called, called out tonight, but we have been called together. And thirdly, tonight we are called forth. We have been called out of the world so that Christ could send us back into the world in order that we might rescue others from the world. Jesus Jesus said in John chapter 17 and verse 18, as thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. In other words, Jesus intends for us to be called out. He intends for us to be called together, but then he intends for us to go about this job of reaching the rest of the world. You say, well, that's an ambitious goal. Absolutely. I love the mission statement of our church fellowship, the whole gospel to the whole world. That's ambitious, but it's nevertheless the job description, and it's the requirement that the church has in this day. That's why we don't have borders. That's why there isn't racial prejudice. We can't have that amongst us. The church can't have that because it would restrict us from reaching. It would restrict us from being who we are. It would restrict us from being who Christ is. There is no color in Christ. We are all one blood. We are all one body. We're all one church and we're all working to reach this lost world. The Christian life is that pilgrimage from earth to heaven. You know, a pilgrim citizen is a great title. Warren Wearsby, I, I was reading through one of his books and that was what he called it, a pilgrim citizen. A pilgrim means someone that is uh, on their way. A citizen means that you are, that's who you identify with. We are identified as heavenly citizens, but we are pilgrims because we are just on our way through. And our job as Christians isn't just to take us for and no more. Our job as Christians is to take as many with us as we can. It's to reach into the world around us and invite everybody to come with us. Numbers 10 and verse 29, you'll read that Moses, when he was 
heading for the promised land, he spoke to his father-in-law. In Numbers chapter 10 and verse 29, says that Moses said unto Hobab, the son of Ragwell, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law, he's, he said to his father-in-law, he said, we are journeying unto the place of which the Lord said, I will give it you. But he didn't stop there. He said, come thou with us and we will do thee good for the Lord hath spoken good concerning Israel. He said, come with us into the promised land. Come with us into that place that God is calling us to. Come with us and the Lord will do good. The Lord will give it to you as well. Come with us and we will treat you well. Come with us. Don't miss out on this opportunity. Come with us. Heaven is there to gain. Hell is there to shun. Come with us. Come with us and watch God do miracles in your life. Come with us and watch what God can do in your family. Come with us and watch God destroy drug habits and addictions. Come with us and watch the miracles occur of healing in your body. Come with us and see what God has in store for you. Come with us on this marvelous, incredible journey. Come with us. Somebody come with us. I'm excited that we are on our way through. Come with us. If you can just reach one person, I, it, it will change your life. If you can invite somebody and they, and they come on this journey with you, and you, you'll never be the same. You'll, you'll, you'll forever rejoice about what God has done in that individual's life, and you'll forever rejoice that God allowed you to be a part of that work, that vessel that God used, that light that shone in the midst of darkness. But we've got to be willing to have the courage to say, come on, why, why don't you come with us? Come with us. The Lord calls us to minister wherever he leads us to, call, to go. There are people whose ministry, their calling is in some of the most difficult places. And uh, we never want to be a, a church that quits honoring our missionaries. We never want to be, become a church like that. We, we want to honor missionaries because they go into some of the most difficult places and impossible situations. And God uses them to invite people to come with them. We honor our home missionary. We call them home missionaries, but anybody that goes into soil that hasn't been tilled up and planted with the seed of the word that doesn't have an established church, that's, that's some rough turf in this day and in this age. But we do it. Why do we do it? Because we know that we're not supposed to go on this journey alone. We're supposed to invite someone to come with us. So not only have we been called out and called together, but we are called forth. Called forth. We can go back to the music tonight. We have to be diligent about maintaining our identity, about staying focused. If you were to look at Abraham and Lot, you'll find the contrast between them. Abraham believed God and obeyed when God called him out of the Ur of the Chaldees to go into that land which he knew nothing about. God led Abraham one step at a time, step by step, a day at a time. And wherever Abraham went, he pitched his tent, a pilgrim and a stranger, and he built his altar to God, a citizen of heaven. He was ready to obey. But Lot, however, did not have that heart of a true pilgrim. He became fascinated with Sodom, started to move in that direction, pitched his tent towards Sodom. Abraham maintained his separated position, but Lot eventually moved into the city of Sodom and became so 
enmeshed with that society that Abraham rescued his backslidden nephew, but he went straight back into Sodom again. And when the angels visited Sodom, they found Lot, the, the scripture says, sitting in the gate, which inv indicates that he was now an official of that city. He had forsaken the tent and the altar and everything he lived for. It went up in smoke when God destroyed Sodom. He was barely saved when angels pulled him out, lost his wife, his family forever messed up because of his involvement with Sodom. What happened, Lot? I'll tell you what happened, Lot. You didn't stay focused. You became a part of them instead of, instead of inviting them to become a part of you. You became a part of who they were instead of allowing them to become a part of what you were. You lost, they lost out because you refused to invite them to come and be a part of what God had called you to be. In this day, in this age, God is looking for individuals that will be willing to call along with him for people to come out. During this present age, God is taking a people for his name. He uses us to share the message of the lost. And it's important that we do our job faithfully. We're empowered by the Holy Ghost. Scripture says it in Acts 1 and 8. You shall receive power. And everybody has a ministry. But everybody can get messed up if you don't stay focused on this place that God is calling us to. We've got to realize that we are pilgrim citizens. We're pilgrim citizens. Called out. Called together. Called forth. And we know that someday we will be called up. Not called up on our cell phones, not called up. But we will be called into this great rapture of the church, into that city of heaven, because that is where our citizenship lies. Christians, apostolic believers, born again, New Testament believers are citizens of heaven. The heavenly home is our destiny. That place that is being prepared for each of us right now, Father's house, he's promised that he will come and take us there. That is where our heart needs to be because one day we will be called up. We will be called up. We won't have time to prepare. We just have to be ready. Be ready for that moment to take place. As in, we, we've lost the word eminent out of our vocabulary sometimes. And the word eminent means it's just absolutely ready to take place. I, I was speaking with somebody on the phone today and we were discussing end times. We were talking about you know, when do you believe that the rapture of the church is going to occur? And we were just dialoguing back and forth about that. And, and uh, I, I'm not even really certain of their position. They asked for mine and I, I, I gave them my position. I'm not going to get into some debate or throw this lesson off track by talking about it right now. But at the end, we both agreed that the two words that we all need to have on our lips was simply this, be ready. Be ready because God could come back at any moment. 
Be ready because we don't know what's going to take place. Be ready because we don't know how this is going to end up. I just want to be ready. I, I don't want to be off track. I don't want to be lost. I, I don't want to I, I be missing. I don't want to have oil out of my lamp. I want to be ready. I want to be ready because the call is going to come. The trumpet is going to sound. And in that moment, I don't want to be missing. I want to be ready. And pilgrim citizens are ready. When you realize who you are, when you understand who God has called you to be, I'm a pilgrim citizen. This world is not my home. I want to be ready for the eminent, promised, declared, prophesied return of Christ to this world. I want to be ready. I don't want to miss that moment. I don't want to miss that call. This world is not my home. I, I'm just passing through. That heavenly hope is a motivator. It's a reminder. It's a promise. Stay faithful. Stay true. Keep running. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, stand. Continue. Continue. Continue until the call comes to go home. Until we are called up tonight. I wonder if you pray together with me at the close of this lesson. Understand who you are, that we are pilgrim and strangers. That we are not home right now, but we are on our way. That we are a group of believers that knows it isn't for just us, but it's for us to invite someone to come along with us. I wonder if you pray together with me. Let's let this lesson settle. We need to understand who we are tonight. And if we know who we are, then we'll walk with confidence. We'll walk with focus. We'll walk with intention because this world is not our home. We are pilgrim citizens on our way. Father, I thank you tonight for this hope, this heavenly hope that you have given to each of us. This world is not our home. But God, what a grand, glorious home you are preparing. I ask that you would allow us to order our lives in such a way, God, that we will walk with you until we get to that heavenly place. God, that we'll just be pilgrims, this earthly tent that we walk through, that we walk in every single day. If you tarry, we'll just leave it here. But God, there's that heavenly home waiting for us. That our spirit is going to go into that eternal place that you've prepared for us. I thank you for that hope. God, I pray for someone tonight that they know they're not ready right now. God, I ask that you'd redirect their lives. I pray that they would pray a prayer of repentance. Why don't we just pray it together for the sake of someone that may not know how. Father, forgive us. God, wash us clean. God, we need to be redirected. We've been going in the wrong direction. But God, we turn from sin and we turn to you. God, we turn from our selfish way and we turn, God, to that life that you've prepared for us. God, tonight in this simple lesson, you've been calling 
And I ask for someone that's heard that call that you would give them the strength and the courage to stand up. And God, begin that journey. God, that journey may feel like a thousand miles, but God, you've given them the strength because if you're calling them, you've given the strength for them to come. God, we receive your word tonight. I pray the seed would land in soil prepared. God, give someone the courage to continue even after this webcast is complete. Give them the courage to continue to become who you called them to be tonight. We give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. Cover our church family, God. Cover individuals under the sound of our voice. And God, I pray that someone would, would hear that call to come with us today. Into that land of promise, we pray. In Jesus' name, we ask. Why don't we just sing for a moment as we're closing, preparing to finish this lesson tonight. Turn your eyes up.